Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dream On Podcast. I'm your host, Jen, and today I am pre-recording this episode because I'm about to get my wisdom teeth out. So as you can imagine, I probably will not be podcasting for at least a week, if not two. So I'm going to record this episode and I'm going to delay releasing it until after I've had my surgery, and then it'll come out that Monday after my surgery, so hopefully you guys don't have to wait too long for new content. But unfortunately, this is the reality we're living right now. I am about to get all four wisdom teeth removed because I have all four of them. So hopefully it goes well. I expect it to go well. But just so you guys know, there will be a little gap in content. But I was looking back at the most recent episodes and it looks like there's already been some gaps in content. They seem to come out about every two weeks right now. So, you know, I think it's nothing new, but just so you guys know, that's why you will not have two episodes two weeks in a row. So just chill out a little bit, maybe re-listen to some older episodes, but yeah, mouth surgery will definitely keep me from podcasting for a little while. So that's going on, but also um, about a year ago, I got a Fitbit from my mother And it was her old one. She got a newer one and like upgraded. So I got her old one and I just started using it again after not using it for quite a long time. And I'm going to start using it again while I'm sleeping so I can trap my trap, track my sleep stages and stuff like that. So that then um, I can actually get back to you guys with like a whole like long episode where I analyze my sleep patterns, which I think will be super interesting. So I'm going to be wearing it. I'll try to wear it every night. If I can't do it every night, I'll do it most nights. And then I'm going to look back and do like a whole long episode where I look back and see the patterns and like when my REM is and all that stuff. So just for the last two nights I've been wearing it, just like getting started with this. And I must say my sleep like patterns and everything so far are exactly average, which is super funny and perfect. Like I love that. So nothing abnormal. It's literally on like the exact numbers of the average time you're supposed to spend in each stage of sleep. So very interesting. And that's going to be a fun episode. And I really look forward to recording it. So that one is in the works as well, um, alongside the first video episode. So just even more stuff to come. But in terms of what we're doing right now today, This is an episode topic that I was actually inspired to talk about in my psychology class this year. And the topic that I want to talk about today is actually self-efficacy. And because that's not a term that everyone is familiar with, we're going to just talk about like overcoming self-doubt, which has a lot to do with self-efficacy. And we're going to kind of go into those things as they relate to dreams and lucid dreams. So... Obviously, you understand what self-doubt is, I assume. Self-doubt is just when you don't believe that you can do something, and frequently your self-doubt will make you perform worse in any given situation than you would have if you had been confident in yourself, because when you're doubting yourself and you're overthinking something, you tend to do worse at it than you would if you just did it, if you just went ahead and did it. And this reminds me of something that my fifth grade teacher used to say which has stuck with me now for so long. She used to say that practice makes permanent. So not practice makes perfect, practice makes permanent. Because if you practice something the wrong way every single time, 
then you're going to keep doing it the wrong way. Like if you never know that you're doing something wrong and you just keep doing it wrong over and over again, then that's how you believe it's done. So in order to practice something to make it perfect, it's only perfect practice that makes something perfect. So any kind of practice will make something permanent. And this has to do with lucid dreaming because frequently one of the most like obvious, not obvious, one of the most frequent complaints I get and I just like see online is, hey, I've been, you know, I've been lucid dreaming and now that I'm in it, I just can't seem to do anything. Like I just, I fail at whatever task I undertake. I just suck at everything. I can't fly. I can't change things. And it's just going really bad. What do I do differently? And sometimes there are things you can do differently. Like maybe you are just having dreams that are right before you wake up. So the dream is just not stable enough for you to control it. That's totally fine. And obviously that's not something you can control. That's out of your control. That's just a case where, well, you need to just wait until you have a lucid dream where you're in a deeper sleep and then you'll be able to influence things better. But in, I would say in the most In the vast majority of cases, when people say, oh, what can I do differently? The truth is there's not a lot you can do differently because in a dream, you're not in a real scenario. So it's not like you can be like, oh, you you just couldn't fly because the wind was wrong. Like, that's not true. There isn't any real wind. You're not in an actual physical environment. So in terms of things you can do differently, there are very few things you can do differently in a dream, like from time to time, because Ultimately, the situation is the exact same. You're just in a dream. You're doing whatever. You're playing with reality and experiencing these hallucinations. There's nothing about it that you can alter in terms of what it is. It just is what it is. So this has to do with self-doubt because obviously if you're doubting yourself in a dream and you really don't believe you can do something, that's the end of the world. You can't do it because there is nothing in that world besides you. So when you say, oh, I can't do this, then you can't because you just made, you just made that happen. You made it not happen. And when you're like, oh yeah, I can do this without question, then you can. And it's genuinely as simple as that. There aren't any other factors to it other than the quality of your sleep, which is the only thing that can impact the stability of the world that you're in. Because remember, everything is fake. So those are the only factors that you have to deal with. And this comes back to the idea of self-efficacy, which is something that I learned about in my recent psychology class. And my class that I was taking was the psychology of personality. And in this class, we talked about how everyone has a self-schema, which is like it's essentially everyone's own idea of who they are. So my idea of who I am is different than all of your ideas of who I am. And my idea of who I am is different than my family's idea and my friend's idea. We all have our own way of experiencing the world and we all have our own consciousness. And so even though maybe me and you, we agree on certain traits that I have and we agree on certain skills that I have or the way I think, the way that we ultimately see me, the way that you see me and the way I see me are different. Because I know about aspects of myself that you guys don't know about. And maybe even you guys know aspects about me that I don't know about because I've never perceived those things. So the self-schema is the way that you view yourself. It's the amalgamation of everything that you know about yourself in this complex web that makes up your idea of who you are. And this ties back to our self-efficacy, which is what we believe we are capable of. 
So if you believe that I'm capable of whatever, and I don't believe that I'm capable of that thing, then my idea, because it's my own and it's like inside me, that's what's going to influence whether or not I can do it. And of course, if you encourage me and you're like, I believe you can do it, like you've got this, of course that can be helpful. But ultimately, it's my motivation and my understanding of what I can do that's going to impact how well I do on that thing. Other than the fact, of course, that we are in a physical world, which does not come into play when we're in a lucid dream. So as an example, let's just talk about lifting a really heavy weight. If you guys look at the heavy weight and you're like, I believe that you can lift it, like you can totally do it. And I look at it and I'm like, I really don't think I can lift that. I don't think I'm strong enough. Then And then I try. If I can lift that weight, it's not because I believed that I could or I didn't believe that I could. It's because physically I actually could lift it. And that doesn't have to do with my like mental perception of if I could because we live in a physical world. But the thing is, when you're in a dream, there is no physical world. So if I say, oh, I can't lift that weight and I go try, I won't be able to lift it because I didn't believe that I could. And we're in a world that's not physical and it's not governed by physical rules. So obviously there are exceptions to this. Sometimes the dream behaves in ways that are unexpected. So sometimes even if I don't believe I can lift the weight, sometimes I can because Dreams are ever-changing, the plot is changing, and sometimes the dream will throw in a curveball like that just as some sort of plot point or like plot device. And then maybe the dream would change and be like, oh, you were able to lift that weight because you have super strength and you're a superhero and all this stuff. And then it would go in some crazy direction. But ultimately, in terms of lucid dreaming, if I'm like, I cannot fly, and then I try to fly, it's not going to work out, it's not going to happen because I'm the one who's making my own reality. And self-efficacy in real life means that a lot of people prevent themselves from excelling at something or even attempting things that they don't consider inside to be possible. And the example that our textbook was using was that for a very long time, pretty much across the world, women have been told just like through social cues, not necessarily through specific spoken words in these black and white statements, But women have been, it has been at the very least suggested to them that girls don't like math and girls are bad at math. So when you look today at the STEM fields and particularly like the the fields where people go into math and analytics, you will find that there are far fewer women in these fields than there are men. And one of the main reasons for this is just because socially that has not been seen in the past, it's getting better, obviously, as time moves forward and people become more accepting and aware of these things. But in the past, it was especially bad. And people really, really did believe that, you know, yeah, girls don't like math and they're bad at it. And this would actually manifest in women's test scores and in their ability to do complex math. And so it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if that can take place in the real world, okay, where there isn't a fundamental difference from birth in how women and men are able to do math. That doesn't exist. But in this physical world where theoretically you could totally easily overcome something like that, it still has such a profound effect. And then you apply that to dreams where there is no 
physical world that can interfere. There is no physical way to disprove your ideas. You are the only one whose ideas matter. And what you think is ultimately what defines reality in a lucid dream, because there's nothing else there besides you and your thoughts and your feelings. And this is one of the other reasons that when dreams are so emotional, which most of them are, your emotions have such a huge impact on the plot of the dream and what happens next. And they really shape the world very actively, which is something that they can do in real life if you're obvious with your emotions. But if you bottle up everything and hold it all inside, then your emotions don't just change the world around you. But in a dream, they really can. And just as an example of this, last night I was having a dream where I was in a house and I was inside this house that had a lot of bedrooms. It was a single story kind of East Coast US vibe, very like colonial cute. And I was inside this house with my sister and a lot of little kids. And I tend to have a lot of dreams where I'm watching little kids because I work at a daycare. And in this dream, I was watching all these little kids in this house and I was babysitting them or taking care of them for some reason. And we played hide and seek. And so we we played hide and seek in this house. It was great. They were all having fun. And then I found this little girl and I was giving her like a piggyback ride. And then I heard this booming sound outside just roll over the house. And I turned and looked out the window of the small bedroom we were in. And I saw that the beach that the house had been on, we were now much closer to the water than we had been before. And so the the waves, there was like a big storm outside and these huge waves were just swelling up, just like welling up out of the water and rushing towards the house and just like completely just washing over the whole thing and crashing on top of the house. And it was making this huge sound of just, if you've never heard waves like making a huge booming noise. I don't, you can't, you can't explain that noise. Like it's just, you feel it in your bones and the waves were just crashing on this house. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get everyone out of here. Like there wasn't any water leaking into the house, but I genuinely thought that the the weight of the water could collapse the roof or something. And so I was gathering up all these little kids, trying to get them out of the house. And me and my sister, we took them outside And I sent my sister out first to climb up the wall of the beach because instead of us just being on a sandy beach on both sides, for some reason out the front door of the house where we were trying to escape, there was a wall of sandstone. And so all the kids were having to like scramble up this wall of sandstone and climb up. And so I was trying to push them up in front of me. My sister went first so she could help them from the top. And I was just trying to get these little kids out. And then I remembered that I forgot my dog in the house and my dog had not actually been in the dream up to this point, but now I recalled that she was in the house. And so I got back down off the wall. I ran back inside and found her and I got her and we scrambled up this sandstone wall with the water just like crashing behind us. And sometimes it would wash up over us and I was just soaking wet and it was really scary. And so I got to the top of the wall like I climbed up over it and I laid down on top of it because I was so exhausted and I was just sobbing like I was so exhausted and scared and I was just sobbing and I was so relieved that I got these kids out and then I opened my eyes and I looked up 
and I was no longer on a sandstone wall. The dream had shifted and now I was on a roof. I was on a roof of a Victorian style home on a wealthy looking street surrounded by other Victorian style homes. And I was on the roof with the children and my sister and also some random guy who I knew instinctively was my neighbor and his name was Wesley. I also knew this instinctively. And Wesley was like arguing with some people who were across from us on a different roof. And then I also knew suddenly that this was post-apocalyptic and everyone who was like outside of their 20s had died for some reason. And so it was like all, it was just all of the youth that were left. And I was like, I need somewhere to live. And so I left Wesley arguing with those people and I was mad at him for some reason. And I went into a very nice hotel. And in this hotel, I went up the staircase to try to find a room to move into because someone had taken over the hotel and made it into an apartment building. So all you had to do was find a room and pick it and live in it. And then you just had to pay rent as long as you were staying there. So all of this I knew instinctively because that's how dreams work. And I was looking for a room to stay in. And I opened up, I tried to open up room 12, but the door was locked. And then I opened up door, or I opened up room 13. And there were like four or five suitcases in there, just huge suitcases. So obviously there was someone who was reserving the room and coming back to it, which really made me mad because they just left their like stuff in the doorway and were like, oh, we're coming back. But as I turned to leave and go further up the stairs to look for another room, these three ladies who are about my age, they they were coming down the stairs behind me and they were like, did you just steal steal something from us? Like, why were you in our room? And I was like, I wasn't. I was just looking to see if it was vacant. And they totally flipped out on me and they were like, you were stealing something from us. We know you were. And all of a sudden, my arms were full of all of these objects, like these small things that I was moving with. And they fully like shoved me over on the ground and were holding me down, looking through my stuff. And they found this lipstick that I have in real life. They found this lipstick and they were like the the main like leader, I guess, of the women. She held it up and she's like, you stole my mascara. And I was like, girl, that is lipstick. And she's like, no, you stole my mascara because I guess it was the same brand. And so she just like, I I don't even freaking know. But she was like, you stole this from me. Like, you stole my mascara. And I was like, no, I didn't. And they just, like, took it and left me in the hallway laying there with all my stuff scattered on the floor. And then they went in their room and shut the door. And I was just so angry. And I took all my stuff. And now the door to room 12 was open for some reason. So I just moved into room 12. And then all of the kids and my sister, they moved in there with me. And then Wesley was there again. And he was like, you need to stop like arguing with people. Like, it's not good. You know, you're, you're wearing out your welcome here already. And you just got here. And I was like, dude, where were you when they were giving me a beat down in the hallway, like robbing me? Like, what do you even have to say about this? And then the dream ended after that. So that was like the whole dream. And all of this, okay, my point here is at the very beginning of the dream, I 
was really taken aback and just shocked by the water coming up over the house and this fear and like this sense of urgency. And that sense of urgency, I was able to very clearly feel looking back at the dream. It really carried through just this sense of desperation of like, we need to get out of the house. We need to climb the wall. We need to find somewhere to live. I need to fend off these girls who are trying to rob me. Like it's very much a feeling that was carried throughout the dream. And that's all because of that initial first emotion that I had. And in many cases, this is how dream plot lines develop. They go off of how you feel. And it's obviously it changes on a dime because dreams are dreams are always looking for a new plot line. They're always looking for something new to interest you. But in this particular dream, it really was just based on this one emotion. And it really did carry all the way through. And it was quite quite clear for me looking back that this is what happened. And it's important to remember in dreams how important your emotions are and how damaging self-doubt is when you're in a lucid dream because your confidence is genuinely all you have other than your emotions. Those are the two things that are control that will control the things that are happening around you and what you're able to do about it. So your emotions are going to impact or they're going to influence the dream around you and they're going to impact how others in the dream respond to you and what happens just in the dream plot line. And then your self-confidence is going to impact what you can do about those things. And of course, again, so many exceptions to these things. But as a general rule, that is basically true all the time. So if I believe that I can't do something in a dream, then I can't. And if I believe that I can, then I can. And this is a bit of a review because this comes up a lot when we talk about lucid dreaming and how dreams work, but it is just so critical to remember because these really are the basic rules when it comes to lucid dreaming.